From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Welcome to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony. So glad that you are with us today. I want to remind you that the program can be found at TonyPerkins.com if you miss any part of it. Also encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. Wherever you get your apps, type in Stand Firm, download the app, and you can find this in all of the Family Research, Research Council resources directly to your phone. Today on the program, 17 Americans have been kidnapped in Haiti. We'll talk about why a little later in the program. Also, Navy SEALs who have chosen not to get the COVID vaccine are being harassed and intimidated. Why is that happening? And what, if anything, can be done in their defense? The end of the program. The Trump administration had resigned from the UN Human Rights Council, but now the Biden administration has rejoined. Given the member nations of this council, is the cause of human rights actually being advanced? We'll talk about that at the end of the program with Bob Fu. But first, the headlines for today. China. The headlines for today. China is refuting report, reported claims that it had tested nuclear-capable hypersonic missiles earlier this year, insisting instead that it was a routine test related to spacecraft technology. During a press briefing on Monday, China's foreign ministry spokesman said, this was not a missile, this was a spacecraft. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin was also asked about the report during a joint press briefing Monday with his counterpart in the country of Georgia. And this is what he had to say. I'm not going to comment on those specific reports. Um, what I can tell you is that uh, we watch closely China's development of, uh, of uh, armament and, and advanced capabilities uh, and systems that will only increase uh, tensions in the region. You've heard me say a number of times that uh, China is my facing challenge, and we're going to remain focused on that. So the U.S. is watching, but are we doing anything in response? Joining me now to talk about this and more is U.S. Representative Vicki Hartzler, who's a member of the U.S. Armed Services Committee. She's a commissioner of the Congressional Executive Commission on China. She represents the 4th Congressional District of Missouri. Representative Hartzler, welcome back to Washington Watch. Well, thank you, Joseph. It's good to be here. Well, we are glad to have you. Um, what do you make of this report that of the missile, the hypersonic missile that China has tested? Well, it's very concerning if it is true. Uh, we knew that China was working to develop one, and we know that Russia is also working to develop hypersonics. In the United States, we, we too, are trying to come up with this capability that's reliable and it's very effective. And so the thought that they might have succeeded in actually testing one at this point is very, very concerning. And that's why on Armed Services Committee, we have been focused on going after China. And in the National Defense Authorization Act, this large piece of legislation that we pass every year that funds our military, we have significant resources in there to develop the hypersonic capability ourselves. Uh, there's already in the process of researching it, but we need to uh, further move this along as well as to be, have a strong national defense, 
to be a deterrence against China for ever having to use it or considering using it against us or our allies. Now, we hear the term hypersonic missile, and it sounds exciting, but can you explain to those of us who are not uh, missile people what exactly this technology uh, would give them the ability to do and why it's concerning? Well, it's concerning because it is so fast. It is uh, four or five times the speed of sound, and it's it's uh, launched on a rocket, and then it is able to glide at low orbit. And supposedly, this report says that China's test had this uh, missile orbit completely around the globe and then hit their close within the target, I'd say 20 miles. But for a first test, that is very, very concerning. And it is so fast. It is very, very difficult to detect on radars. It is also very difficult to shoot it down because of the speed and the range that it is able to uh, to do. So it's a, a new capability that, as I said, several countries, including ourselves, are trying to perfect because we know it could be very, very lethal. And most importantly, we hope that it would be a deterrent for any country ever going to war against us or our allies if we have this capability. What do you make of the statement from the Chinese government that this was a spacecraft and not a missile? Well, I don't believe anything the Chinese say, and I would say they don't want the world to know they have this capability if they do. So, you know, my uh, thinking is that they're probably not being truthful, but we really don't know. I'd have to have an intelligence briefing, which I haven't had yet on it. Uh, but the, China is, we know, uh, developing all of their militaries at a very fast clip. We know that they have surpassed us in some areas and that's why I and others in Armed Services Committee have been so focused on China, and I have been trying to let people know about the threats that we are facing. And I've produced a four-part video series that people can watch at my website, heartslur.house.gov. I would encourage and urge everyone to go there and to see these videos we have put together. The first one is on the military threats. Uh, facing us from China. The second one is economic threats, where we go over the Belt and Road Initiatives and the debt trap diplomacy. The third one is the um, uh, coercion and, and the Confucius Institutes and the soft power threats. And the fourth one is the human rights abuses and what they're doing with almost 2 million people in concentration camps in the Xinjiang province. Americans need to know what China is doing, that they have a plan and a, a will to have world domination. And they're moving forward at a very rapid pace to get there. And we need to be ready for them as Americans. Uh, remind people again, where can they go to watch that series that you put together? Hartzler.house.gov. Hartzler.house.gov, uh, Representative Vic, Vicki Hartzler. Another question, much of the commentary around this missile technology has suggested that the U.S. has been distracted in its war on terrorism and therefore kind of missed this development of the Chinese. Do you think that's a fair assessment of the situation? Well, like I said, I would have to get the intelligence report to see if this truly was a surprise and if they truly did have this test. Um, but I can tell you that we have been investing in hypersonic research and development for several years. I've seen prototypes and the different companies that are competing. So we're well along in uh, coming up with this capability ourselves. Of course, Russia is also trying very quickly to come up with this. Uh, North Korea, uh, very concerningly, 
uh, has said, Kim Jong-un, recently that he, too, has successfully test-fired a hypersonic missile. We don't know if that's true or not, but uh, this is certainly a technology that many people are seeking, and uh, it's very important that we, we focus our resources on this because, like I said, it is very difficult to detect, and it is very lethal. One of the great concerns about this is the potential for hypersonic missiles to carry atomic warheads, which, of course, has all sorts of terrible implications. I do want to change the subject with you, though, uh, because this is not the only thing happening in Washington, D.C. this week. The Democrats continue to negotiate uh, their spending package. Uh, What's the latest? Do you think they're going to get this done? Well, I certainly hope not, because it's very bad for America in many fronts, uh, puts us further in debt as a nation, would further fuel inflation, would further make our businesses uncompetitive to other countries, further kill jobs, further uh, infringe on our freedoms. It is a bad piece of legislation, and it's sad that the Biden administration and so many Democrats are continuing to push for this radical bill, $3.5 trillion of more spending to advance a socialist Green New Deal agenda. Uh, From what I have heard as far as negotiations, they probably have the votes in the House, but we have two senators, Senator Manchin as well as Sinema, who have said this is too big. This uh, has provisions in it we do not support. And I do applaud Senator Manchin for saying We've got to have the high protections in here because the Senate, I mean, the House Democrats have removed those basic provisions which protect taxpayers from having to pay for abortions. And uh, Senator Manchin has said that's a red line. He would not vote for a bill if it would uh, do away with those uh, protections. So I hope that he will stay firm and that he said says not only no to uh, taxpayer-funded abortions, but also no to this very, very high uh, costly bill. And I hope that uh, they will not be able to get the votes. Now, the cost of this bill is, of course, one of the uh, great concerns with it. The White House Twitter account yesterday said something. I want to read this to you and give you a chance to respond because it, it suggests the way that they're trying to sell this to the public. And here's what they said. said, quote, the cost of the Build Back Better agenda is zero dollars. The president's plan won't add to our national deficit and has no one making under $400,000 per year will see their taxes go up a single penny. It is fully paid for by ensuring big corporations and the very wealthy pay their fair share. What's your response to the idea that the Build Back Better agenda will cost zero dollars? Oh, it, it's laughable. It is absolutely a lie. I mean, this is has the largest tax increases in American history in this. Uh, so, but there's still a part of it that's even not going to pay for beyond that. But with all these taxes, uh, it's going to make it life harder for everyone, especially those with low and middle income. First of all, because of inflation, which is already hurting them when you go to the gas pump or go to the grocery store. But the tax foundation has said that these taxes increases on businesses are going to come down through the increased cost of goods 
for the lower and middle income individuals such that they will pay for 75% of this bill within 10 years. There's also a tax in here on, on natural gas and methane. A lot of people uh, use natural gas to uh, heat their homes in the wintertime. So that is going to increase costs. So it absolutely is going to increase costs and taxes on everybody. This is a lie. It just as a, as a matter of basic economics, it's puzzling how you can say we're going to spend three and a half trillion dollars, but it's going to cost no money. Those seem to be mutually exclusive choices, uh, but alas, we're being presented with the idea that you can have your cake and eat it too. Uh, lots of talk about the number one and a half trillion is what some people are asking for. Three and a half trillion, we know what the progressives want. Uh, perhaps a negotiation to two trillion. Why the focus on the number rather than the policies involved? Well, because they know that these policies would not be supported by the American public. Uh, nobody wants to have all these tax increases on various things. They don't want to have a, a taxpayer dollars going to form a new uh, civilian climate court to to pay young activists to go around and do Green New Deal uh, projects. Um, they don't want to see their money wasted and uh, pay for for child care and, and put limits on it that's going to close faith-based child centers and, and going to close home-based health uh, or child care. I mean, there's just so many bad things in this bill that they know Americans wouldn't want if they talked about policy. Representative Vicki Hartster, we will bring you back to talk about it more in the future, but we are out of time. Thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it very much. Thank you, Joseph. And when we come back, 17 worker aid workers in Haiti have been kidnapped. What's the status? What can be done to help? We'll talk about it when we come back. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and FRC Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and the truth of God's word, we've launched Pray Vote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia from October 6th through the 8th for the Pray Vote Stand Summit. 
Register online at prevotestand.org slash summit or by calling 877-372-2808. More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why scripture must be authoritative and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org slash worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org slash subscriptions. Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Backholm, sitting in for Tony Perkins. Glad that you are with us. Over the weekend, a group of ministry workers, part of Ohio's, Ohio-based Christian Aid Ministries, was abducted while on a trip to visit an orphanage just northeast of Haiti's capital, Port-au-Prince. According to the organization, a group of 16 Americans and one Canadian includes six men, six women, and five children. A U.S. State Department spokesman said to, told NBC News on Sunday that they can confirm the kidnapping and that the State Department has been, quote, in regular contact with senior Haitian authorities and will continue to work with them and interagency partners. The spokesperson also said the welfare and safety of the U.S. citizens abroad is one of the highest priorities of the Department of State. And joining me now to tell us what he knows about the abductions, which is just the latest in a spike of kidnappings, is Edward Graham. He's the assistant to the vice president of programs and government relations for Samaritan's Purse, whose organization has been active in serving the people in Haiti. Edward, welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks for having us today. We're glad to have you. Now tell us, who has kidnapped these aid workers? And also, do we know what their demands are? Yeah, no, I'm you know, I'm not getting firsthand. I'm getting a little bit from our security department. And then we do have contacts within this ministry that have unfortunately lost uh, 17 of their friends. You know, these are gangs, organized gangs that are operating pretty freely within Haiti. And these gangs have only increased their activities. Kidnappings alone have gone up almost over 20% since about 30% since 2018. That's a significant increase. Uh, and they're only getting higher after the death of the president. But these gangs really operate without fear of being prosecuted or even being pursued by the local police forces who just don't have the capabilities or resources. So they're greatly hindering international aid and uh, missionary groups, organizations that are there to serve. They're hindering the work going on there. So it sounds like these gangs feel like they can do this with impunity and there's not uh, a lot of risk to them. Is the United States government able to intervene on behalf of our citizens there? You know, I'm, I'm not the expert. I, I've dabbled in international law my prior life. But I do think there is ways that the U.S. military can help. The Haitians have to ask for it. They've asked in the past. And I don't know the details of all the aid that's been, assistance has been asked. 
but I know some of it has been denied by the current administration. So there's ways we could go down there and aid their police forces or law enforcement, also their military, if asked. I'm not, I don't think we should go in there and occupy. That's not what I'm asking for. But I do know that the Haitians, these gangs, they fear the military. They fear the U.S. That was proof when I was a young child and the fear of the 82nd Airborne went down. It, it created um, an opportunity for the government to step down after the duly and freely elected president uh, was denied access. The current regime stood down when they thought the 82nd Airborne was coming. But there are ways, and you can have Boykin on here. He's more of an expert than I am. But you label them a terrorist organization and put a terrorist designator to them. And that does allow special operations to help and assist even go and hunt these gangs. And I think that's what it's going to take. They're only getting more bold. These attacks are increasing. They're not just attacking aid workers, but also they're kidnapping doctors, Haitian doctors that live there. Um, people that think have money, lawyers, judges that may be going after these, these gangs that would prosecute them. Now they go after these judges who now fear to prosecute them. It's just going to make it worse. So unless the U.S. does something, uh, we're not going to see a change in Haiti anytime soon. It doesn't sound like they're making political demands. They're making financial demands. Do you know what, what they're asking for exactly? Now, last I was told they're asking for a million dollars an individual, so $17 million for these individuals to be released. And these are missionaries. As you mentioned, some of them are children. So this is a heinous crime. I mean, this is evil at its worst. Can you imagine what these little kids, they fear they're going through, these young children that are down there? I'm praying for the families. We at Samaritan's Purse, the entire organization, even this morning, was praying for the release, the safe release. But you know what? I'm praying also for these kidnappers. I'm praying for a change of heart. I'm praying they understand what they've done, the, the, the egregious and the evil they have done. But there is a way out, and there is a way to peacefully resolve this. So that's our prayer here at Samaritan's Purse. But also pray for this administration, that it takes leadership in this. These are Americans that are involved. These are Americans, 16, one Canadian. Um, it also goes to show that they don't really fear anything that's going to happen. So let's change that. Do we have reason to believe that the people who have been kidnapped are still well? Uh, I would say, you know, this has happened many times in the past, and I'm not familiar with the exact gain that, that's taken them. Um, we've known other people that have been kidnapped in the past that were treated well. Um, I think a lot of these kidnappers, they're just looking for a quick buck. Um, they're not looking for ways to, uh, you know, to hurt individuals necessarily. Um, they do fear that if sometimes these people are killed or hurt, they, they will be tracked down and hunted. Um, but I, I, I pray they're are safe and they're doing well um, and they can be safely returned to their families. And this will all just get resolved peacefully and through negotiations. But it's never good when you pay for hostages because it just emboldens, and they'll look for other opportunities to do this in the future, other gangs. These are young kids, a lot of them, that don't have jobs. The economy is horrible there, and they're looking for something to do, and they're looking for a belonging. And uh, that's why we go down there in the first place. They, they do belong, and that's in the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're bought and paid for, and we want them to know that they're bought with blood and that they're loved. And so, you know, I love these criminals. That's why we go down there. We operate in these areas, and we have challenges, and we have to be careful when and where and how we operate in Haiti. Um, but these gangs are terrorizing, going after the very people there to help their country. That, that's a good word, and we do join you in praying for them. Now, we've got about uh, 40 seconds left, but uh, do we know if they are, are – are, Excuse me, I, I just lost my, my train of thought on that question. 
and 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 I don't even know what I was going to ask you now, so I apologize for that, Edward. But here here it is. Samaritan's Purse has been operating there. Is this situation making it more difficult for you and others to operate? Of course, yes, yeah, it's, it's going to make it challenging. But we're we go to these places at Samaritan's Purse. A lot of other mission organizations that go to the fire. That's where we're supposed to be serving, serving our neighbors during a time of crisis. Haiti's in a great crisis has been. We've been there since the recent attack. But SP's been there since 2010. We're going to continue to serve. But I, I believe it's the responsibility of the Haitian government and the U.S. government now to do something about these gangs. Well, we will continue to pray with you. And we do thank you so much for your service there in the neediest and most difficult places on, on the globe, being the hands and feet of Jesus. And we appreciate you doing it and for joining us today. Thank you my, very much, Edward Graham. Thank you. God bless you. And we will continue to track this story because anyone who would have a loved one on a mission trip and have this happen, that is kind of the worst case scenario. So do join us in prayer for them. Coming up after the break, the vaccine pressure debate continues. This time it's in the special forces of the military. Navy SEALs uh, claims of harassment and intimidation because they are not vaccinated. We're going to find out more about this story and what can be done coming up right after the break. Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? Are you looking for Christian resources to help you stay politically engaged? Then download Family Research Council's Stand Firm app. With all of our content available at your fingertips, you will conveniently be able to stay up to date throughout your busy day. The Stand Firm app will give you access to a variety of resources, such as our most recent episodes of Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, tweets and other social media posts, and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the App Store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app. Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily, but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start, or how to understand and apply what you've read. Or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org Bible. That's frc.org Bible. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Joseph Backholm, City. The website again is TonyPerkins.com. The U.S. Navy has announced how it plans to discipline service members who refuse to comply with the Defense Department's COVID-19 vaccine mandate. 
and administrative actions, according to the Navy's announcement, may begin as soon as Navy service members meet the definition of refusing the vaccine, which it states is a Navy service member who is not or will not be fully vaccinated on the date required by the order and does not have a pending or approved exemption request. Joining me now to talk about what will happen to sailors who refused the COVID-19 vaccine is Mike Berry, General Counsel for First Liberty Institute, who has served numerous positions within the Marine Corps and continues to serve as a member of the Marine Corps Reserve. Mike, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back with you. Good to have you. November 14th and December 14th are the final days active and selected reserve have to receive the second of the two required shots. Can you summarize for us what happens to sailors after those dates? Well, and just as you, you described, Joe, the, the Navy said they're going to begin initiating separation proceedings for those sailors who don't meet the definition of fully vaccinated. But what's even worse is that, well, first of all, those sailors, many of them are already suffering harassment and intimidation by their commands uh, who've essentially told them they're no longer welcome in the Navy. They're they're being treated like second-class citizens simply because they have a sincere objection to the vaccine. And then uh, to really add injury on top of insult, the Navy has said that the commanders now have the discretion to begin seeking recoupment of money that was spent training them uh, if they uh, don't get the vaccine and are kicked out of the Navy. So uh, not only are they, they, they hitting them where it hurts in terms of uh, not being able to continue their service, their faithful service to this nation, they're now trying to hit them in the pocketbook, which is nothing more than being vindictive, in my opinion. Now, people leave the military all the time for a variety of reasons. Is it your sense that the military, you use the word vindictive, are they treating the sailors who don't want the COVID vaccine differently than they would treat others who might be in the course of leaving the military? Oh, there's absolutely no question that that service members across all branches of the military who don't want to receive the vaccine uh, whether it's for religious reasons, which is, I would say, the vast majority of people who have an objection to the vaccine. It's based on their sincerely held religious beliefs. But even those who have medical conditions that prevent them or prohibit them from getting the vaccine, as I said, they're being treated like second-class citizens. Uh, First Liberty Institute represents 40 Navy SEALs, U.S. Navy SEALs right now, uh, who have sincere religious objections. And I'm going to tell you right now, Joe, a, a death row inmate, or an illegal immigrant in this country has more rights than a U.S. Navy SEAL right now. That is a terrible report. There has been a lot of discussion about whether these were going to be honorable discharges, dishonorable discharges, what the consequences would be. Can you tell us the latest on that discussion? Yeah, according to the same order that you referenced earlier, it's ALMAV 225-21. The Navy has said that uh, commanders can begin seeking what's called a, a, a general discharge. So, you know, there, there's different types of discharges. The one that you want to get is an honorable discharge. Obviously, that's something that most people are probably familiar with is, is, is getting the honorable discharge. Uh, but it's saying that if, if somebody gets kicked out because they refuse to get the COVID vaccine, they can get an, a, a general discharge. Uh, and that's, that's a bit of a stain on somebody's record, I have to say. It can actually cause problems for trying to get a job after your time in the military is up. It can cause problems trying to get VA benefits, uh, unemployment benefits, medical benefits. 
et cetera. So again, it's, in my opinion, it's nothing more than vindictive. If, these, if, if people want to leave the military of their own volition, the military should allow them to do so without having a black stain on their record that's going to follow them around for the rest of their lives just because they have a sincere religious objection to the vaccine. The order does acknowledge exemptions that could be applied. What's the status for those who are applying? Are they being granted in any cases? And if not any cases, uh, if not all cases, uh, why just some? Look, I've reviewed hundreds of service members' religious exemption requests uh, because of my role here at First Liberty. And people, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people have contacted First Liberty asking us to help them with their religious exemptions. And of the, the hundreds that I've seen, not a single one has been granted. I'm not aware of a single religious exemption being granted across all four branches of the military. And that is almost a, a, an impossibility, right? It's impossible that the military cannot grant even a single religious exemption. And yet that's the current state of play. Uh, it's, it's unconstitutional, it's unlawful, and it's un-American. The more evidence you provide, the more it does sound like the word vindictive does apply. Is there some kind of massive outbreak of COVID in the Navy that we're not aware of that would justify this kind of response? Not that I'm aware of. And to make matters worse, let's put it in this context. The DOD and the Navy are now saying that we have to have 100% vaccination because it's really a matter of, of national security. They're, they're essentially saying our military will not be able to do its job unless they have 100% vaccination across the entire DOD. And my, my response to that is, are you telling me that our military was not capable of defending this nation from approximately February of 2020 until approximately August of 2021? Because what, guess what? We didn't have vaccines during that roughly 18-month period. Are you saying, Secretary of Defense, that our military was incapable of accomplishing its mission for that 18-month period? Because if that's the case, then, then somebody needs to be fired for that. Yeah. And Mike Berry, we are out of time. First Liberty, we really appreciate you joining us today. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks so much. Coming up, the U.N. Human Rights Commission, the U.S. is back on board. Is that good news or? Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? Specifically, one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns will have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls them. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving interns the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org slash internships to apply. Is real biblical masculinity lost forever? In this culture of gender confusion, there are too few examples of godly manhood. So where can men, husbands, and fathers find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength in this culture? Try our Stand Courageous Men's Ministry. We seek to help men develop a strong biblical character 
cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Welcome back to Washington Watch. My name is Joseph Macklin. Tony, last Thursday... President Biden proudly announced that the United States will officially rejoin the United Nations Human Rights Council, a group that has shamelessly ignored obvious human rights violations around the world while also allowing some of the worst violators of human rights to claim membership on the council. Current members include bad actors such as Cuba, Eritrea, Pakistan, Russia, Somalia, Venezuela, and China. In his statement, President Biden said, quote, we will stand in solidarity with and continue to work tirelessly in support of the activists, human rights defenders, and peaceful protesters on the front lines of the struggle between freedom and tyranny. Well, if the president really stood with those on the front lines, he would do something about the Chinese Christians who have fled the communist country in search of relief from persecution. That's one of the stories we want to discuss now with Bob Fu, who's the president of China Aid, as well as FRC's senior fellow for international religious freedom. Bob, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Joseph, for having me. We're glad to have you. Now, Bob, I want to cover a few things with you, and I know you are not necessarily a national security guy. But we started off the program today talking about this hypersonic missile technology that uh, the Chinese government appears to be testing. What do you think we should be concerned about, if anything? Well, we should be deeply concerned. I mean, after years of uh, neglection, really, of uh, China's secret weaponry program, including this uh, supersonic, uh, you know, weapon missile uh, capable of carrying nuclear uh, you know uh, warheads i mean the uh, it's time really to wake up uh, to the fact that the chinese communist party is the most threatening 
regime to our national security and to our values. I mean, look at what happened in Taiwan, right? I mean, just uh, right before Taiwan's national uh, day of celebration of its uh, 110th birthday, uh, China sent over 150 uh, military war jets and, uh, I mean, the the flies uh, threatening Taiwan. Uh, so the, the vital democracy. So this is uh, certainly a, a very alarming uh, thing, especially uh, our military generals, like uh, General Milley, uh, basically uh, told a Chinese uh, a top military military general in January uh, that uh, oh, the United States uh, won't attack you first. Does that mean you know China get the green light to do it first? I think with this uh, secret uh, weapon program, uh, it's the time to wake up. Well, it is a deeply concerning development when we think about the possibility of how quickly uh, atomic warheads could be delivered around the globe. But you, as the head of China Aid, you are a human rights activist and you focus on China, but you're concerned about human rights around the globe. The United States, uh, last week, President Biden announced that they would be rejoining the U.N. Human Rights Council. What's your reaction to that? Do you think that's a good thing or not? I'm very, very pessimistic on their endeavor because, uh, look, the U.N. Human Rights Council has uh, been proven as not only a flawed, but a very, very dysfunctional uh, body that is not only uh, that it failed to live up with uh, uh, human rights uh, values, but it has become a covering body for the world's worst human rights abusers, such as China, Russia, Cuba, Venezuela. And uh, it also has become the most uh, anti-Israel body after its founding in 2006. uh, That human rights body has passed uh, over 80 condemnation uh, resolutions against Israel, but not a single one against uh, those human rights abusers like China, Russia, Cuba, and uh, Uzbekistan. You know, these are worst abusers that, like China, even committed genocide. Where is the UN Human Rights Council? I think you make a a really good point there. And is there an answer to that question? Is there a discussion within the uh, the community of nations about why the, U- the uh, UN Human Rights Council seems to only take action against Israel and ignore really egregious violations by other nations? I think uh, that would be the first litmus test for Mr. Biden's uh, rejoining effort, as he kind of put it uh, very upfront. I mean, if uh, the U.S. Biden administration failed to reform, I mean, this is, uh, of course, the third president who tried, uh, you know, when President Obama took office, even when President Trump took office, they all tried very hard to reform that uh, dysfunctional failure body. And uh, good luck to President Biden. I mean, uh, if they fail to reform by removing this anti-Israel condemnations, bias, uh, prejudices, uh, I don't think uh, there's any room for the U.S. to give legitimacy to this failed body any longer. 
When we hear about the UN Human Rights Council, it's something that instinctively we want to be supportive of because everyone is supportive of human rights. And we like the idea that there are international bodies working on human rights. But then when we go through the list of member nations and realize that some of the most serious violators of human rights are member nations of the council. And then you point out the fact that the resolutions condemning human rights abuses go to mostly the nation of Israel, while other countries who are unambiguously violating human rights in really serious ways are, are not being condemned by the community of nations at the UN Human Rights Council. So with that background, my question is, is there anything that the UN Human Rights Council is doing well to advance human rights? I have not seen almost a single thing that uh, the uh, UN Human Rights Council has done since uh, its forming in 2006 that advancing the true rel religious freedom and universal values of the human rights norms um, that uh, prescribe that body. And uh, except uh, they just provide a few minutes of uh, empty talks and speeches and, uh, you know, for some of those uh, human rights uh, countries. And uh, but they have provided actually more platforms, more rooms, more talks uh, for those human rights abusers. And China uh, used that as a propaganda platform uh, instead of uh, showing its uh, uh, gorgeous, uh, you know, human rights abuses as uh, the worst uh, uh, human rights abusers on religious freedom, on press freedom, on freedom of assembly, and sentencing dissidents, uh, journalists, and uh, uh, committing genocide. And China used that as a propaganda machine, showing how beautiful, how best the Chinese government has done on human rights front. Of course, Cuba, Venezuela, of course, uh, the other uh, human rights rogue nations are also taking advantage and manipulated uh, the whole body. And not only that, uh, actually, the Chinese government tried to even to define, redefine the definition of human rights and make it like uh, human rights uh, is the, the first uh, human rights item should be regarded as so-called uh, right for development. And that is, of course, the Chinese way, the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party's way to water down the universal values and uh, try to change the international norms that uh, we all cherish. So this should not be tolerated. And uh, I just think um, there, there is really no hope to uh, reform this body anymore. We're talking to Bob Fu, head of China Aid, as well as senior fellow for International Religious Freedom, the Family Research Council. And Bob, one of these specific cases that you've been tracking, there are eight house churches from China who have recently been denied asylum in South Korea. They are in South Korea now, but they've been denied asylum. Tell us about that situation. Yes, Joseph. I mean, this past, this church led by Pastor uh, Pan Yongguang uh, from Shenzhen Holy Reformed Church is uh, one of the worst persecuted uh, house churches in China since President Xi took power. And they were uh, 31 children, 29 adults in 2019 facing enormous persecution. They voted to be exiled 
and fled to Jeju Island, South Korea. And yet, because of China's threat, China's pressure, and fear of China, the South Korean government had denied uh, all of their asylum uh, application at least twice. And uh, for the uh, third time, when eight of them, including Pastor Pan, filed um, the legal appeal in the South Korean court, they were denied again by the court on October 5th and 6th, eight of them. So now they are facing an ultimatum by October 19th. And if they don't file this uh, fruitless uh, lawsuits again, they will be faced for deportation and repatriation back to China. Certainly they will face imprisonment and torture. So this is certainly a human rights crisis, a religious freedom crisis in front of us. So we think uh, the Biden administration can take, uh, um, you know, this case to um, help this uh, uh, 60 persecuted believers uh, move to the United States for protection. Is there any reason to believe that that might happen? Well, we're working very hard, and uh, we're glad that at least uh, from uh, this, uh, quite a few uh, members of Congress from both the Senate and the House are working hard to express this uh, uh, urgentness and the, the urgency and the um, um, their uh, uh, their their um, strong urge uh, to the Biden administration to take them uh, as a humanitarian parole, as an urgent case. And the State Department um, is um, telling us that uh, they need to exhaust all their appeals before the U.S. can take up the case. So we are waiting uh, uh, really patiently, and uh, certainly we hope and pray that the Lord will move their hearts and minds to take uh, concrete actions to help these uh, uh, 31 children, 29 adults who are proven as facing the imminent threat by the Chinese regime for their religious freedom. Bob Fu, we will hope and pray with you uh, because those of us who live in relative freedom um, cannot imagine what it's like to be literally running for your life because of your faith. But we appreciate you tracking that story and bringing it to us today. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Joseph, for having me. Now, for the final story of the day, Kamala Harris over the weekend recorded a video message that was played in about 300 Virginia churches urging people to vote for Terry McAuliffe, who is the Democrat candidate for governor in that state. Here's a brief clip from the vice president's message. As you know, this is an important election coming up on Tuesday, November 2nd, and early voting is already underway. I believe that my friend Terry McAuliffe is the leader Virginia needs at this moment. Now I play this video for you to make a an important point. You might have heard very recently the terms like American Taliban being thrown around. Christian nationalism has been a reason for putting particular groups on watch lists because of their alleged threat to terrorism. And the threat, we are told, is because people are blending religion and politics. And that, we are told, is very dangerous. In fact, there are left-wing groups like the Americans United for the Separation of Church and State that have spent literally decades trying to get 
conservative Christian churches to abstain from engaging in political activity. They've done so by claiming that the IRS is going to shut them down or take away their tax-exempt status, not only if they endorse a candidate, but if they even speak about political issues. Well, the case seems to be somewhat settled now that that is no longer a risk. Not only have thousands of conservative Christian churches in recent years and decades crossed the alleged line and endorsed political candidates, but as you can see from the vice president's message there, the left is doing that as well. Of course, that's not necessarily a new development. They have been doing that by themselves on their own for a long time. They just haven't generated the kind of outrage. And that's what I want to focus on at the end of the program here. Why is there not outrage over Kamala Harris's message that was delivered in 300 Virginia churches urging them to vote for a particular candidate? Well, because they don't actually care. They're not actually concerned about the American Taliban. They're not actually threatened by Christian nationalism. What they're really concerned about is that people who disagree with them politically might organize and threaten their power. That is the problem. I'm not telling you that your church should endorse candidates. I'm not telling you that your church should not endorse candidates. What I'm telling you is that your church should do what God wants you to do. Certainly, there's no biblical mandate to get involved in every political campaign. But understand, anytime someone from the left tells your conservative church that you shouldn't get involved, they don't actually mean it. There's not some American principle being threatened. They're trying to bully you. They're trying to manipulate you. They're trying to get you to retreat to the sidelines of the cultural debates so that you can fill the void, so that they can fill the void that you create in your absence. Remember that and may Kamala Harris's message to the 300 Virginia churches from this weekend be the reminder. That's all we have for the program today. Look forward to seeing you next time on Washington Watch. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.